Sports are back. Save 40%. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Get all access to the Athletics exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Get unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, and expert analysis on what's sure to be one of the most enthralling seasons in sports history. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com forward slash blues, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite sports teams. So go to theathletic.com forward slash blues for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. And welcome into We Went Blues, the podcast, episode 55. The Blues lost last night 4 to nothing. but hey, hockey's back. A 4 nothing exhibition loss to the Chicago Blackhawks can't even get Blues fans upset because we're excited that the Blues are back on the ice. They're going to have a chance potentially to defend their Stanley Cup. Round robin play is coming up on Sunday. The Blues will play the Colorado Avalanche, and that leads us into our guest today, he covers the Avalanche for The Athletic, my colleague, Ryan Clark. Uh, I didn't know a lot about Ryan uh, before we became colleagues, but uh, he's just been a terrific writer, a terrific person. I've loved getting to know him, and I can't wait to spend the next 20 or 25 minutes talking to him on the podcast today. So, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me. I would say we're more friends than colleagues, but if these are the boundaries you want to set, I guess <laughs> I will have to live with this arrangement. Oh, no, this is this is great. And you know what? Uh, the best part about traveling, we, we travel to the different cities and, and cover the games, uh, is just getting to hang out with people we talk to and, and message back and forth on a regular basis. And so you were nice enough to take some time uh, when I was in Colorado last year to to head out to a lunch. And you know what? Uh, we, we lead, I think, different lives as sports writers. There's really no schedule. We have to drop everything on a dime if there's news or we get a scoop. And so to hear it from your words and, and see how optimistic you are about where our industry is and how good we can become if we put in the time, put in the work, cultivate the sources uh, I, it was inspiring to me, so I want to thank you for that lunch that afternoon. Oh wow! And and you're right; it should be uh, it should be friends, not colleagues. Well, I mean, like to be serious, like I appreciate you saying that, but I appreciate you taking the time, just because I mean, you're someone that I've been reading for a long time. Because even though I wasn't in the NHL, it's what I've always wanted to cover. So there's like a select group of writers that you read who are some of the best at what they do. And for me, you've been in that conversation for. A while now and so i mean like i know you look at it as this way but i just looked at it as like here's a chance to learn from someone about like not only this is how you cover a team the right way but like this is how you build relationships and do different things to where it's just like i look at your career and i go who wouldn't want to have that well i had some other stuff to cover but if you just want to go on keep going there no i don't think <laughs> this is what the, the viewers and the listeners and the kids at home want but 
but sure. <laughs> no, they certainly they certainly don't. Hey, so we're going to get into the Blues and Avs uh, in depth in just a little bit, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but I just want to touch on some of the outstanding work that you have done, and we're going to start off with uh, Seattle. We finally know what the uh, expansion franchise is going to be called, the Seattle Kraken. Uh, I tell you what, Ryan, I love the the uniform. It, it was terrific. But you were on top of that story uh, for the past few months. And then, of course, when they had the unveiling the other day, did a couple stories at The Athletic. What do you think? Another franchise, and it, it looks like uh, things are starting off well for the Seattle Kraken. You know, it's interesting just because the name choice was going to be something that was big. And you could say that anytime an expansion team comes about, but there especially because when you look at sort of the nautical theme, whether it be Mariners, Seahawks, um, Sounders, Storm, Rain, whatever, like it had to fit. And so when you have the Kraken, it, it checks that box. But then when you look at the uniforms and the color scheme, I mean, blue and green are such big, big parts of, of that cityscape. And, you know, the challenge with them is you can use blue. Every team uses blue. But to use blue and green and still be within a three-hour drive of Vancouver, like that's where the challenge lied in a sense of what they wanted their their look to, to be going forward. And so what you're able to see is they were able to mix all these different elements for a look that works to the point where, you know, people look at the rising tentacle coming through the S or, you know, the red eye so they could get that pop of color in there or – when you look at like the secondary logo where it's the anchor, but on the top of the anchor is the space needle, something that people in Seattle have talked about getting tattooed and someone already did actually, you know, <laughs> it's a look that just, again, you never know how these things are going to be, you know, received, but at the same time to see the way people there and throughout the world have received it, especially the hockey world. It seems like it's been something that you could say has been a success to this point. And uh, I took my family to Seattle a year or so ago and actually wrote a story about the hockey landscape in that city. And uh, there's a lot more foundation, I think, than a lot of people uh, believe or, or have heard. And the one thing that I can't wait to see is the arena, because when I was there, they had not started the rehab on that yet. At the time, they were talking about $700,000. Now I think it's up over a billion. Uh, that's a famous roof. Uh, you know, I'm told they they lifted the roof. Uh, they, they rehabbed the arena and put the roof back on. Can't wait to see that. But the one thing I wanted to ask you about, been at the Athletic for three years. I love writing X's and O's. I love writing features about people. But I love when you find an anecdote, a story that happened and you write about it. And you had one the other day with Ron Francis, the GM of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, he was to have a T-shirt FedEx to him so that he could wear for the press conference. What happened to that T-shirt, Ryan? So what it was is the Kraken had sent Ron Francis a package of a polo shirt with the Kraken logo on it that he could wear from his home in Raleigh where he still lives. So that way when he does interviews you know, on television, he has that logo right there. The issue was – it went to the wrong address an hour away from his house. And it just happened to go to a medical warehouse supply company. And so the guy who was running the warehouse, uh, Will Barnes was on his you know, phone, saw a Washington number. First, he thought not to answer it, he did. And they were like, hi, we're looking for a package addressed to Ron Francis. And he's like, I'm a big Hurricanes fan. And maybe this is, Ron Francis on the day that the Kraken are announced, there's no way something like that would happen. And then 10 minutes <laughs> no later, way. like they made it clear what was going on. And he's like, oh, dear God, this is what's happening. 
And so they were able to find this package. He had one of his delivery drivers go to Francis's house and he got there like six minutes into the presentation. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of this really weird race against time where if you're Ron Francis, you know, you're just really grateful to this factory in North Carolina. And if you're Will Barnes, this diehard hurricane fan who called Ron Francis, quote unquote, father hurricane, as he said in the story, like this is one of the three coolest stories he'll ever have to tell in his life. That was my favorite part. This wasn't just a Carolina Hurricanes fan. This was a guy who called Ron Francis, you know, father hurricane. And now he's all suddenly on the phone with him and he's he has a, a polo shirt that he needs to get to him ASAP. And and so I, I, I he probably felt some, uh, uh, you know, being a fan and being able to deliver that package to Ron Francis for that press conference. What a moment. Uh, you're right. But great job on that story. That was absolutely uh, terrific. You know, some other fine work that you've done, Ryan, at the uh, Athletic. And, you know, it's it's difficult to have a conversation like this in just a couple minutes and then move on to the Blues and the, the Avalanche. Like we could have a whole a podcast or a series of podcasts on what's gone on with uh, our country. But you as an African-American really stepped up during that unrest in our country. And, you know, it's not over. I hope that, uh, not the unrest, but I hope that the talks continue and that the progress continues. But you saw an opportunity there to write some stories that helped create even more progress during the time. And uh, I just wanted to talk to you about it. I say good job. And, and what did you see there that you could accomplish? And do you think we've seen some strides taken? You know, to be serious with you, it's not necessarily anything I guess you look at as a personal accomplishment as much as what's there. Because when you look at sports in different leagues, the NBA has had conversations about race for decades now. The NFL has had it. Um, it's been touch and go depending upon the year, but it happens. Major League Baseball, they have them, but not as frequently. And the NHL is a league where it just – these conversations, they might come up, but then they quickly disappear. But when you see players more than just Evander Kane or Matthew Dumbo or Nazem Kadri, players of color, speak about this. When you're hearing Tyler Sagan, you're hearing Jacob Slavin, these different players, these white players talk about it. Like it's one of those things where it's fair game to ask them, what makes you want to speak up about this? What was your experience with race before you saw the George Floyd video? What does it make you feel? What do you want to do after the fact? And so it's really just kind of giving those players a, a, a place to speak about it, just because it's been one of those things where it's not been a discussed issue in this league in terms of mainstream. For some people, it has been discussed for years, if not decades, but just it was never something that was really brought up for one reason or the other. And so just when you look back at, let's say, the last several weeks and, and kind of these stories about race and all that, like it comes from this place of this is a league that is just now getting to this point because let's let's frame it like this. And I said this on Craig Cousins' podcast and a few others, you know, the NHL is a league that has done things to address like LGBTQ plus. Uh, it has addressed gender. It has addressed mental health. These are really serious subjects that they have addressed in varying degrees, but with race, it had never really been that way. So what you've seen since George Floyd is you're seeing more players, more teams in the league as a whole try to take an active step, but they're doing it against the backdrop of when compared to everyone else. Like that's where the, 
the I think the intrigue really falls because that's where the the criticisms and the critiques are going to come through. Just because we all heard what Nazem Kadri said yesterday after the exhibition game over the Wild that while they've done something, players want to see more. They want more to be done and. You know, it's something that when you look on social media, fans have felt the same way, but you also have fans that feel like they shouldn't talk about it and they don't want to hear it. And so, again, just to see how this league is going to do this because they've never done it before is fascinating, especially when you look at all the other leagues, namely like NASCAR, where NASCAR's never really had this conversation. But when you talk to people who feel strongly about this issue, they will sit there and tell you they look at NASCAR and they look at the NHL and go, why hasn't the NHL done what NASCAR has done? Yeah, and that's why I was curious about the reaction you had to those stories, because, you know, in writing uh, a story myself, Ryan O'Reilly, his thoughts on what was going on, and he felt uh, the need to write a heartfelt statement. I think you saw that story that I wrote here uh, in St. Louis. The reaction that I got, and and it wasn't nearly on the scale that I'm I'm sure you saw, because you wrote uh, a number of stories, was that some people just don't believe that conversation needs to be in the game and yet other people understandably so believe that that's where the conversation needs to be had everywhere especially on platforms like professional sports because that's where the message is going to be heard the most so what did you encounter it's a mix of that you know there are people who say hey look this is the time and place and form to do it and there are other people who say I don't want this in my sports because sports is my escape and this is exactly what I escape from. And when you hear both sides of that, you understand where they're coming from, but where it's sort of interesting to to look at it in the middle is one of the reasons people fall in love with sports. Granted, there are several, but one of them is it is the human component. It's the ability to feel like if you live in St. Louis and you grew up a blues fan, I mean, maybe it started because you just genuinely love hockey Or maybe it's because you love your city and you want to see the teams do well, whether they're the Blues, the Cardinals, whatever. But at the same time, like while you have that human emotion, other people have that human emotion for different reasons. People gravitate towards different players for, you know, whatever reasons. And when you have these conversations, these larger, broader conversations, it then reaches a really interesting discussion in the sense of, so if a player were to come out and speak about something like sexual abuse and sexual assault and discuss why it's a horrible thing, there's this connection that people might feel to say, I resonate with this. And it's good to hear this person say this because this is something I feel strongly about too. But then when it comes to something like race, where again, I think we all can say this is a fair, accurate you know, depiction Sexual abuse and sexual assault is a, is a conversation where you're never going to hear someone say, I'm for it. And if they were to say that, they would be looked upon as just, okay, why would you ever think that? Whereas if with race, it's so much more of a divisive issue that there is no straightforward one line of thinking one way or the other. It's really all over the map. And so when you bring that conversation over to race, Jeremy, like, that's what makes people feel the way they do in the sense of feeling strongly for these discussions strongly against these discussions but either way it's just fascinating because people have said well i don't like sports with politics well who's one of america's most revered sports figures muhammad ali and people have said you know for everyone who uses ali quotes now what if ali were alive today and in his prime today would you feel that way would you feel that way about him or would you vilify him and again it's just such a fascinating exercise and 
how history works and how just we view this conversation. And we have seen the NHL uh, take some steps. We saw pictures uh, from Edmonton and Toronto where they are, uh, you know, mentioning the Black Lives Matter movement. And we've seen some players pay their respects. So um, as you mentioned, you know, Evander Kane and others, they want to see more. Hopefully we will see more. I have uh, no, uh, you know, hesitation to say that I believe that uh, we need to have these conversations in sports. And I realize some people are going to disagree and maybe you tune out the podcast here, but I think uh, for us to get to a point in this country where we can all feel equal and, and all feel like we're in this together, uh, this is what we need to go through. So I appreciate you touching on some of this tough stuff here um, and, and giving us the reaction that you got from some of those pieces that you wrote, which were just very, very good uh, uh, articles, Ryan. So great job. Um, but we do realize that some people want to use sports as their getaway from what's going on with the country. And so there is hockey being played right now, and there will be a playoff tournament coming up here soon. They played exhibitions yesterday. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche won over the Minnesota Wild. The Blues lost to the Chicago Blackhawks, as I mentioned. The Blues and the Colorado Avalanche are going to play Sunday in the first game of the round-robin-style tournament. We'll break that down and more when we come back on We Went Blues, the podcast, episode 55. Our special guest is Ryan Clark of The Athletic Denver. Does a phenomenal job, and you can follow him on Twitter. We'll give that address out in just a little bit. But first, we have a couple messages from Roman and The Athletic. If you were to guess, on average... How many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor? What would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities, basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's where our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that could connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or your computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free and limited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com forward slash blues for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com forward slash for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. With hockey heating up, lots of stories on what the bubble is like. I've seen some player diaries. Mike Russo has Marcus Foligno, I think, in uh, Nashville. Uh, Adam Vingan has Colton Sissons putting together a diary. So anything you want to hear about the bubble and also head-to-head uh, -head matchups. I've seen a lot of head-to-head matchup pieces, what these play-in series could look like. And also uh, Ryan and I, we collaborated on a piece a few weeks ago uh, what the Western Conference top four seeds will look like when they play each other based on what we saw during the regular season. There's just tons of articles. And if you are an advertiser, if you're a local company, why wouldn't you want to get on board right now and promote your product on The Athletic? Our listeners are loyal and engaged just like you. So what better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast? To advertise on this very show, just go to www.theathletic.com forward slash 
podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away. So go to www.theathletic.com forward slash podcast ads today. And we're back with Ryan Clark, my colleague and friend, right? We're friends now. We can say that. Yes, yes, <laughs> And, <laughs> and uh, we can break down uh, the Blues and the Colorado Avalanche, who will see each other on Sunday, 5.30 Central Time. That's 4.30 Mountain Time, if you're listening to this podcast uh, in the Denver area. But, Ryan, uh, just wanted to touch on you. What did you see from the Colorado Avalanche in that preseason exhibition, whatever you want to call it? Uh, win over the Minnesota Wild. You know, the thing that, that stood out the most, Jeremy, is probably the penalties, just because this is a team that last year was one of the most penalized teams in the league. It's something they've really worked to reduce. And yes, it's just one game after an extremely long layoff, but at the same time, like your penalty kill is getting taxed. And because of it, you're not going to see players like Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rontanen and Kale McCarr, who are some of your uh, biggest weapons, really be able to have the time they need to create and orchestrate chances and really pin an opposing team in their defensive end. And so if you're the Avalanche, you want to try to work on cutting those things down. But beyond that, it seems like really the conversation at this point in the sense of the on-ice component with the team is what's really going to happen in net. We saw Philip Grubauer give up two goals. Pavel Francouz relieves him a little bit more um, than halfway through the, the second period, and he pitches a shutout for all intents and purposes. So just to see where that goes is going to be curious. Now, what I would like to hear from you, if that's fine, is What's your takeaway from the Blues game? Because it's one of those things where you look at that scoreline and it probably takes people aback. But then again, it is an exhibition game. Yeah, you're talking about a, a team that won the Stanley Cup last year that led the Western Conference at the time of the pause with 94 points. And you take four and a half months off, you get excited about resuming the season, and then you go lay an egg, a 4 nothing loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I just didn't think they were engaged. I think after a couple weeks of training camp, uh, not really hitting each other, Ryan. Uh, they didn't do that yesterday in the game. And, and so I think their bread and butter is the four check and, and they weren't physical at all. Uh, so I think that uh, you'll see a different team on Sunday. I will say this, though, about last night's game is the Chicago Blackhawks. They've got a play-in series coming up and uh, they have a little bit more uh, I think eagerness to be ready. Uh, the Blues didn't have that. They're just talking about getting a game underneath them. And, and so I think uh, they took the game last night differently than the Chicago Blackhawks. That's not to take anything away from Chicago. They played well, but I just think uh, two purposes, two different purposes last night that the teams were playing. Uh, but I think that if you look ahead to Sunday, Blues and Colorado Avalanche, you know, this was four and a half uh, plus months ago when you talk about these two teams playing. But the Avalanche really handed it to the Blues the past two times they played, 7-3 to three on January 2nd, 5-3 to three on January 18th, both times Jordan Bennington chased from the game. You know, you talk about carryover from the regular season to this, it's been a long time. Uh, do you think that the Avalanche have the Blues figured out a bit? Potentially. And even then, it's really hard to say because when you think about those Avalanche wins in January, Jeremy, like it was a team that just wasn't healthy. And yes, every team goes through those spurts throughout the year. Now, if you're Columbus, that was just your whole season, if we're being really honest. But when you look at the Avalanche specifically, like this is a team that just really hasn't had its full lineup since really the first quarter of the season, and that's when the injuries ensued. So to see what they did against the Blues then, you know, look, to say that they're going to put up five or seven in a, in a playoff game or a playoff series, 
who knows if that's going to happen. But then again, it's 2020. Anything is on the table, and we'll just leave that there. But in the sense of what the abs could look like, it looks like this could be a team that could match up well with St. Louis if fully healthy. Because again, now you're looking at the Blues, and this is the time of year where, as we saw, well, I would say a year ago, but I mean, a year ago, everyone was playing golf. So let's say last playoffs, that what you saw with the Blues was a team that was so balanced, but so multidimensional in the sense of, They could play a speed game. They could be physical. They could be technical. They could do whatever. And the Avalanche have now composed four lines that believe it can do the same things and being able to match up with teams like the Blues or Bruins, but be able to dictate things as well. But again, the difference is the Blues have gone through it. They've had the results. The Avalanche have an idea of it. It's just now a matter of seeing if it all works at the most crucial point of the season. Yeah, I think that's a a big difference. I really do. And uh, I was looking at some other teams around the league. You know, the Blues have had their way with uh, teams like Dallas. And Dallas just didn't seem to have the depth on offense with the four lines. Same with Colorado the past couple of years. But uh, so the Blues had that advantage. And now I think some of these other teams have added some parts. And now you look at this Avalanche team. What a top line. Barakovsky, McKinnon. McKinnon's healthy. He was hurt at the pause but got healthy. Uh, Miko Rantanen, I think he was hurt in St. Louis earlier in the year. Yeah, uh, leg he injury. his foot in the skate, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but he's back. But then you look at the rest of the depth with these Avalanche, of course, uh, guys who've been around for a while, Landeskog, but now you've got uh, Kadri and uh, Namsnikov and Donskoy. They bring in from Ottawa and uh, also San Jose. And so now there's uh, some names, uh, no pun intended there. There's some names on this team that I think uh, people are familiar with that also bring a lot of depth up front. Well, it's not only they bring depth up front, but they bring different looks. So let's take the second line of Gabriel Landeskog, Nazem Kadri, and Valeri Nichushkin. So Landeskog, for the longest time, has been their first-line left winger. And since they paired him with you know Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, it's always been that catch-22 of, like, you can keep them together and risk – the other three lines not having consistency, or you break them up with the idea that maybe they can drive play on their on the other lines, knowing that that might not work either. Whereas if now you're in a situation for Jared Bednard where you can really do what you want. So you've created a line where it's three players who are going to use physicality, the ability to work for possession and two-way prowess to really sort of just control whether it's offensive zone or defensive zone play. But not only that, but like, again, it's the microcosm and really the perfect example of kind of what these playoffs could be for the Avalanche, like potentially, hypothetically, it's a line that looks like it's prepared to do a lot of different things. The reality is no one knows how it's going to look because this isn't a line that's really spent a lot of time together. And so not only that, but you know, you look at someone like Nazem Kadri, who when you sit here and you look at this team and you ask who are going to be the players that are going to need to have good performances. I mean, yes, the usual suspects like McKinnon, McCarr, Rontanen, Whoever's in net, Landis Cogger is going to stand out. But Nazem Kadri is another one, just because, I mean, we look at the last two years with the suspensions. But this is how you can frame it. Nazem Kadri has only played nine more playoff games than Kale McCarr. But at the same time, his line, his responsibility as a second line center is going to be huge. And how this team goes is going to be predicated on that depth. And it starts with someone like Nazem Kadri. Any expectation on how the Avalanche plan to treat these round robin games? I've talked to some Blues players who, you know, not the end of the world if you don't go three and zero. They're more worried about that matchup in the first round, and so I don't think we're going to see a playoff atmosphere. But I think we'll see more competition, uh, a higher competitive level level than we saw, uh, obviously, in that exhibition. 
Same. You know, and Jared Bednar made that clear that he was going to use the exhibition in the three-round Robin games to tinker with some things, especially in that. But he also probably wants to see some different looks because when you think about the abs, I mean, you're in a situation where a year ago you needed Matt Nieto and Tyson Jost to both play. Now you only need one of them because of the depth you've built. But then when you look at prospects, like you want to see what someone like Shane Bowers could potentially do because he might factor for a roster spot next year or on the back end. You've got Bowen Byram and Connor Timmons. And look, the Avalanche are a club that has 12 UFAs and RFAs combined going into the offseason. Not everyone can stay because they have like around $22 million in cap space. So if you're looking at these guys on entry-level contracts, Jeremy, like Bowen Byram, like Connor Timmons, you want to see what they can do in this sort of environment. Now, Timmons, you've gotten a little bit of tape on. He's had two regular season games. He played in the exhibition game uh, on, on Wednesday. But as it relates to someone like Bowen Byram, that's where it's going to be interesting because, you know, look, he didn't have the strongest camp. Everyone's open about that. But when you, as in the original training camp back in, you know, last September, but when you look at this camp that he had with the abs, people saw so much more improvement. So it's a matter of will you see that in one of the next three games or will they hold off? Hey, and one more for Ryan Clark before we wrap up episode 55 of We Went Blues, the podcast. Ryan, the Colorado Avalanche are a great team. I'm not surprised at all that people are picking them. We had the athletic uh, poll the other day where the writers gave their thoughts and uh, Colorado getting a lot of love. The Blues, not so much. Does that surprise you at all? Not really, just because I think when you look at Colorado, they check a lot of boxes in the sense of, do they have a superstar? Yes. And they might have two more in Makar and Rontanen. Um, are they a team that plays fast? Yes. Are they a young team? Absolutely. Are they a team that, you know, has made the sort of progress in the last year that makes you go, you can see the growth and development? Absolutely. But of course, the big question is, how will it all work? Because again, you saw shades of it last postseason when they played the Flames and the Sharks. But against the Sharks, you could see, okay, this is where the, the discrepancies lie. So these are things that they address in the offseason. But now it's a matter of how you put it all together. Because, look, for all the young talent that you've built around, there's something to be said for players you brought in the last two years. Like Ian Cole, Andre Burakovsky, and Philip Grubauer have won Stanley Cups. And some of those Cups have come at the expense of Pierre-Edward Belmar and, you know, Giannis uh, Donskoy. So, like, that's just it. It's like you're adding these players to do these different things with the idea that it could all work out. But then it's the big question of what is the expectation for this team? You know, some people say, you know, it's getting to the second round, which they did last year. Others say it's bar minimum, you know, the Western Conference final. But this year is going to be so telling given that the next few years they're going to have to make some serious salary cap decisions because, look, as this team gets better – it's going to get more expensive. And while it might seem far away now, you're going to eventually have to come up with a new deal for Kale McCarr. That's not going to be cheap. Uh, you're going to have to come up with a new deal for Nathan McKinnon, which that's definitely not going to be cheap. So how you win now with these contracts is going to be so crucial in the grand scheme of things. I think Blues fans will love hearing that. You know why? Oh, please. Because, I mean, it's not like they have a, a you know an all-world defenseman who could cost a lot of money just <laughs> – waiting in the wings but please inform us all <laughs> yeah no it's uh colorado's one of the teams mentioned when people say work at alex petrangelo go uh the avalanche uh, in blues fans minds are one of those teams but if they've got a lot of uh, players they're gonna have to pay here in the next few years which you uh you hit on there uh, maybe some blues fans will be happy to hear that maybe well, they don't have as much money <laughs> it, it, not, not to scare blues fans but i mean like avalanche fans have asked the same question where there's like 
okay, how would this work if they wanted to go get someone Alex Petrangelo's caliber, which who wouldn't want Alex Petrangelo? Oh, and the Avalanche could certainly make it happen. It just means like, okay, you're going to have to move away few pieces, more veteran proven pieces, and hope that these prospects that you have can really hit the mark in order to make someone like Petrangelo work. So like, let's say they went and got Alex Petrangelo. So your defense is Samuel Gerrard, Kale McCarr, Ryan Graves, Alex Petrangelo, let's say Eric Johnson, and maybe Connor Timmons or Bowen Byram. That is a defense a lot of teams are going to take, but at what cost? So you're moving on from someone like Ian Cole, who just had the best season of his career, not only offensively, but you look at the defensive metrics as well. You're moving on from someone like Matt Calvert, which people might say, okay, it's a fourth line winger. What's the big deal? Well, here's the thing. The Avalanche last year went through 36 different fourth line amalgamations. So getting a consistent fourth line presence was a thing for them. And with a guy like Calvert before the injuries, he was on pace for his first 20 goal season. He's someone who's established himself as a leader in that dressing room. And now you're going to trust someone on an ELC to fill not only the on ice role, but what does the off ice component look like? So again, maybe that's something Pietrangelo could fill because again, he's Alex Pietrangelo. He's a guy that has a lot of experience, commands a dressing room, and he could sort of fill in for that. But again, it's like anything for, for every cost, there's a benefit for, for every action. There's a reaction that comes with every move you make. Ryan, I wish I were coming to Colorado on Sunday so we could do lunch. <laughs> oh, it, 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 it would be a blast. But I mean, you know, hey, look, it's all about trying to be safe as well. And there's nothing wrong with that, considering, you know, we live in a city where 25 miles west of here was a squirrel with bubonic plague because that is 2020. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate the insight on uh, what you did with uh, the Seattle franchise, the, the stories you did there, and then also uh, the articles about uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, just what we're going through as a country. I thought, uh, you know, it's tough when the cursor's blinking and you've got to put things in words, and I just thought you did a, a terrific job. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks, Ryan. Well, this was episode 55 of We Went Blues, the podcast with special guest Ryan Clark of The Athletic. There are also many other podcasts at The Athletic this week on the Full 60 with Craig Custance. Craig previews the NHL play-in tournament in two parts. Custance quite possibly sets a record for guests on the podcast as we hear from 18, 18, Ryan, of The Athletic hockey writers who are covering the NHL's return to play. Part one, released on Thursday, kicks off with a visit from yours truly with a primer on the Blues. Part two of the full 60 NHL play-in preview drops on Fridays. Also, Stanley Cup champion Patrick Sharp, a studio analyst for the NHL on NBC Sports, joins Scott Burnside and guest co-host Eric Duhatchik this week on the two-man advantage at The Athletic. We also have a comment section at The Athletic now on our podcast, so check out that for each podcast episode at theathletic.app. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. We Went Blues on Apple. And don't forget, if you click on the show URL, theathletic.com forward slash We Went Blues, you'll get 40% off your subscription. So for Ryan Clark, my guest this week, who will be all over the Colorado Avalanche on the playoffs as we resume here, Ryan, give them your uh, Twitter handle so they can follow you and get the latest on the apps. I'm not putting anyone through that special kind of hell, so no. Uh, but for those of you who want, it's at Ryan underscore S underscore Clark. And you can follow me, Jeremy Rutherford, at JP Rutherford. That's R-U-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D on Twitter. We'll have the latest from that game on Sunday and look forward to bringing you more coverage at The Athletic. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 55 of We Went Blues, and we'll talk to you next week. 